We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Let's start with a blessing. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kichanu B'Mitzvotav V'Tzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. All right. We are on um, uh, Midrash uh, number five. So it's page four, Midrash number five of chapter 15. Still uh, on the verse, oh, this is the last Midrash uh, of, of the first verse that we're looking at, which is Vitad uh, Ornai Elohim Gan Be'eden Mikedem. Vayasem Sham et Adam Asher God, uh, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden to the east or from before uh, and placed there uh, the person uh, that God had created. Um, so we, uh, um, uh, uh, the, our previous Midrash, Midrash number four, was on the, the phrase Vayasem Sham that uh, God placed there. Uh, and this Midrash is also going to be on that same phrase, Vayasem Sham, uh, and um, uh, just a different take on that phrase. Um, so, let's see. Um, would you like to read? Yeah, sure. So, number five. Yeah. The Midrash derives from the word there that the Garden of Eden is to have been Adam's permanent, eternal abode. The word sham bears the same meaning here as in that which is stated, it, the ark, remained there to this very day. Rabbi, okay, well, just, yeah, just just pause there for a second. What What is, what's the, uh, what's the Midrash teaching here? Comparing the permanence of Ark with um, Adam's permanence because the there is the same word. Good. Okay. So again, this is another um, uh, another example of a very common midrashic move that we've talked about a, a, a number of times called a called a gezera shava, right? Which means that it's taking the way a word is used in one place uh, to help us understand how the how the same word is used. In, 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 in our verse. Right? In this case, the word sham, uh, according to uh, this midrash, was used in reference to the, the Holy Ark in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 5. Um, uh, and um, uh, and uh, uh, when it talks about the Ark there in the book of Chronicles, uh, it says that it, uh, that it, it was there until this day, implying kind of a state of, of permanence. Um, be interesting to look that verse up and, and see uh, that, 
the context of it up. We can do that in a minute to see what it says, right? And it says, okay, because it talks about permanence there, it's also talking about permanence here. So when it says, Vayasem Sham Eta Adam Asher Yatsar, that God placed there the, the person that God had created, um, why does it say, uh, why does it use that word um, uh, Sham? There. What is it trying to communicate? He was pulling away from him or what? Separated from him? Sham? Sham means there, there. right? Um, so this, for example, he said with him, I mean, I, I got confused. Yeah, okay. So, uh, um, it's trying to understand what the what our verse means when it says God placed him there, right? Sham, um, uh, uh, right. In other words, it could it could have used um, uh, it, it could have said Vayasem et Adam Asher Yatsar Bagan, right? It could have said that that God placed the man that He created in the in the garden, right? But it says it uses this word there. So it's right? this specific. This is specific. You mean? Well, it may, yeah, that's one way of interpreting. Well, so what I'm saying is that the that the the midrash is trying to understand what's the significance of of using the word sham. And in order to understand the significance of it, it's saying, okay, how else is that word used in the Bible? And it finds a verse in Chronicles where sham. Refers to uh, refers to a permanent place for the ark, implying what about the placement of uh, of of Adam in the garden? It was supposed to remain there, not leave. Right. So implying permanence uh, in that context. Give me one second. Let me get a uh, a Bible and uh, and we can um, uh, look up the, the the whole context of that verse. I was thinking, Sean, so you don't repeat God's name, which you just said earlier. Well, right. So that's grammatically, that makes sense. But yes, that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> right. So listen, if 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 something else was used, the rabbis might also have wanted to do a midrash on the something else that was used, right? So um, it's kind of a strange. Sometimes, sometimes the Bible, you know, they they repeat to emphasize. Yeah, and for example, when they say. He, 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 he was supposed to be in the garden, in, in, the, in, Bagan, 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 in the garden, but instead of that, he put him in Sham. Instead of repeating again. So he didn't put him in the, in the garden, but somewhere else. Okay. So we're in uh, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 5, right? Chronicles is a book not commonly studied. Um, so it's uh, it's fun when we get to pull it out. Okay, um, chapter five, verse nine. Um, let's uh, let's let's step back to the context. Okay, the context is uh, King Solomon building the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, um, so uh, it says. Um, we'll back up to, to verse 7. Ve'yaviu ha'kohanim et Aaron brit Adonai el-mekomo el-devir habait el-hakodesh ha'kodeshim. Okay, the kohanim, the priests, brought the Ark of the Covenant of God to its place. 
to the inner sanctum of the temple, to the holies of to the holy of holies, El Taha Kanthea Kruvim, underneath the wings of the cherubs, um, which were two golden statues that were on top of the Ark of the Covenant, as is described um, uh, in actually this week's Torah portion and, and in uh, uh, the previous couple of weeks' Torah portions, describing the accoutrements of the of the tabernacle, which was the initial shrine. Um, so the uh, cherubs would, uh, were stretching out their hands uh, toward uh, the uh, place of the ark. And the cherubs covered over the ark and its uh, staves from above. Um, uh, they extended the staves so that the tips of the staves from the ark we're, I don't know what a stave is, so I didn't look that up. But um, uh, the, the staves of the ark uh, were um, uh, were noticeable upon the partition, uh, but were not showing on the outside. Velo uh, yura'u hachutza. They were like sticks. They put, you know, they put some kind of sticks. They had, they had like, like hooks, and they put some sticks. Yeah, the poles. The, yeah, the so poles. They, and they got what they call stave. Yeah, yeah. The, the poles, yeah, I see it here. Yeah, okay. Just uses sort of an antiquated word for poles. Okay. Um, uh, okay, and then, okay, Vayisham Ad They remained there to this very day. Okay, now, uh, Interestingly, both for the Bible and for the rabbinic consciousness, when the when Book of Chronicles says they stayed there until this very day, um, uh, um, what's what's problematic about that? They're not physically there, but you know, sort of mystically there, they might be there. What is there? What what is that? Right, yeah. So it's not there. It's physically, it's not there, right? Um, uh, that's there's a whole Indiana Jones movie about it, right? <laughs> that, that, that the Ark at some point went missing, um, and uh, and we don't know where it is. So so clearly, it's not there to this very day. Um, at the time of the writing of the Book of Chronicles, it was there, okay, or or, or so so they claim. Uh, it's also not clear what it is that is there that they're talking about because what's like what's the object of that sentence or the subject of that sentence um, which is um, so um, uh, so it's uh, um, uh, it's the the tips of the staves from the ark were noticeable behind the partition, um, but not from but not showing from the outside, and they remain there from this very day. So it seems actually not, it's not talking about the ark; it's talking about the the tips of the poles. <laughs> Those staves, staves. Yeah, the staves. Um, well, a new word, yeah, right. So, um, so not only not not even talking about the ark itself, but talking about the right, the poles were. So maybe maybe those were more permanent. I don't know. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, so actually, uh, this is uh, this may be an instance in which uh, uh, um, uh, the uh, art scroll attempt to 
clarify what the Midrash is talking about actually may be a little bit misleading. That may not be what the Midrash is saying here, right? Um, uh, because, uh, uh, because it actually may be talking about impermanence. Right, that the the ark itself wasn't uh, was may have been there at the time of the writing of Chronicles, but the rabbis well knew that it was no longer there at the time of their writing of this midrash. Yes, exactly. Right. This was written at a time when right and the temple was no longer extant. Right. Yeah. And what is does anybody know in the rabbinic consciousness uh, uh, what it is that um, that led to the destruction of the temple? What kind of evil? Good, right? So they, they have a sense that the first temple was destroyed uh, because of uh, uh, of the prevalence of sins, of the, of the three Greek, most grievous sins, um, according to rabbinic tradition, which are uh, murder, uh, uh, incest, and and, uh, and other sexual crimes. Uh, what? Robbery. And not, not robbery, uh, uh, adultery. Um Murder, adultery, and incest. Uh, sorry, <laughs> adulteries include sexual crimes. Uh, idolatry is what I meant to say. Um, idolatry, murder, idolatry, and, uh, and 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 sexual transgressions. Um, so that's the first temple. Uh, the second temple they have an, they have a, di- a different problem with because they say, okay, people actually followed the Torah in the time of the second temple, um, thinking of themselves, right? The, the, the rabbinic tradition, the rabbis were following the temple, so, so they said, well, then what was it that caused the destruction of the second temple? And so the Shemitah, they said they were not observing the Shemitah. They, they were not. Uh, that was, uh, I don't recall that being an, an answer that's offered, but I could be wrong. Um, uh, the most, the most. Uh, commonly uh, uh, stated answer is something called sinat chinam, which means kind of like free-flowing hatred. Um, uh, You know, it's the opposite of free love. It's free hatred. Um, um, uh, So, um, so, uh, you know, it's, so, you know, there's, there's, I think, uh, um, something to unpack there between, and again, this is, I just, I think, an interesting thing to note that the rabbinic tradition is drawing a parallel between the temple and Eden. The temple and Eden. Right, we had at the beginning, right, that the the cedars of the Garden of Eden, right, are connected to the cedars of the of the temple. Um, there was another parallel I remember. I can't remember off the top of my head, right. And here we have a very direct one that placing Adam in the garden was like placing the ark in the temple. Which at the time it was placed there. Presumably, they thought that was permanent. Right. And so, when Adam was placed here, well, I, I don't know. Adam maybe thought he was permanent there. I don't know whether Adam So, you, do you mean that Adam and, and, and the ark are equivalent? I'm not saying that they're equivalent. I'm saying that they're analogous. You understand the difference? The, right there? No, yeah. In the case of, you know, in the, case of uh, the ark, it was a kind of a uh, material thing, it was just a box. And he has the loss inside and something else. But in the case of Adam, he was a human being. And, the, and he failed. But then, I mean, I, 
Yeah, but so I, I uh, I'm not saying that there that the that you know all all analogies all all metaphors are are inherently imperfect, right? It's not saying that that Adam is equal to the ark, but I think it's saying that that it, that that Adam's condition in the garden is similar to that of the ark because the, the ark contained the law, right? The law, and Adam he was supposed to, to, to stick to the law right. because he was the recipient of the law. From the very beginning, but then he, he broke the law, right? And and then so the uh, and but he was the the said the human being. How can I say? He was only the representation of the um, well. He he had the law. I mean, I don't know. He, and in the beginning, you know, he was he followed. Oh, he was more in accordance with God, and then he broke away because of his free will, right? And so and. Um, but then the law was given, and you know, and they, and it was put in the ark just to protect the law. But the, so there was only the, how can I say? I mean, I, Adam was alive; the, the, the ark was not. Right. Okay. So I mean, listen. They, you know, I'm not they, again. They're not. They're not saying that those that these two things are are equal. Right, but I think that they're saying that these two things are are related. These two things are are uh, parallel. Right, that they're, they're analogous. Right, and, uh, so uh, first linguistically they're saying they're analogous. Right, that uh, that that the placement of the ark in the temple in the time of King Solomon uses the same language in the Bible as the placement of Adam in the garden. Right. Um, and what I'm suggesting is that maybe they're they're drawing a, a deeper parallel between the between the two things. I think that first, uh, you know, um, it's actually wouldn't be the first time that the that rabbinic tradition uh, says that um, that the that the ark is um, is symbolic of a human being, right? We, that we all have Torah inside us. We all have we have whole tablets and broken tablets as as what was contained in the ark. Um, that um, uh, that there's a there's a teaching of uh, uh, you know, the, the ark was covered on the inside and on the outside with gold, right? And so the question is, well, I can understand why it would need to be covered with gold on the outside. That's what's visible. Why do you need to cover it with gold on the inside? And and the answer rabbinic tradition gives is that you know our our we should we should strive to make our our inner life as uh, as uh, as as pure and as good as what's visible to the outside world. Right? What, what we do indoors should be as uh, um, uh, as uh, as as um, as upstanding as what we do uh, that's visible. So anyway, there's plenty of parallels that the rabbis draw between between uh, the ark and between uh, a human being. Um, uh, and and so and and the other thing I think that is present here is that um, the rabbis believe that the that. Um, uh, that that humanity was responsible for the exile of the ark and the destruction of the temple, and so I think that what they're also saying is that humanity is responsible for the expulsion from Eden, right? And that those two things are similar, right? Because of of the human inability to um, uh, to you know live in harmony with uh, with with God's instructions. Um, we have uh, we've 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 been in spiritual exile, right? We're now in uh, uh, you know we're in exile from Eden. We're in exile from the from from the temple. Um, you know the so you know the the, the um, one of the first things uh, you guys in Talmud class did you study tractate Brachot? 
Yes. The first thing you did. My yeah. Uh, so okay. So so you'd have to think back if you if you were there because uh, it's at the very beginning of Brachot, but it has this really powerful image at the beginning of Brachot because it says that there were. Uh, the, the first Mishnah of Rachot is about um, uh, the, the time at which you can start saying the evening Shema and the um, the, the latest possible, the beginning, the earliest possible time, the latest possible time you can say the evening Shema. And uh, and and, and uh, one of the opinions um, is uh, until the end of the first watch. Okay, so and apparently there were uh, three. Uh, three guard shifts at the temple, uh, um, and it's saying that, that the time, the ending time for saying Shema, according to one opinion, is uh, at the end of the first watch shift at the temple. And it says that those three watch shifts at the temple parallel to, um, uh, to, to three periods in the night when uh, God roars like a lion or cries like a lion and says and cries saying, uh, woe to my children, be, but for because of their transgressions, um, I, uh, I destroyed my, uh, my temple, I destroyed my home, I banished myself from my house and I exiled them. Right, um, so the, the rabbinic consciousness, I mean, very present. The first tractate of the of the Talmud has this sense that um, that it wasn't the Romans that destroyed the temple. I mean, the Romans did destroy the temple, but that's not the that's not the reason the temple was destroyed. The reason the temple was destroyed was because of God's hand was forced by uh, by our misdeeds. Right, the reason that Adam was expelled from Eden, which wasn't meant to be the um, the the, the uh, the, uh, the the desired state for Adam was to remain in the garden, right? But because of because of Adam's transgression, uh, God's hand was forced. Adam couldn't remain there. Um, so what, what was God's fear? I mean, what what was God's fears? You know, to keep Adam. In, I mean, he he created Adam, and uh, but then and he is powerful. I mean, what Adam? He was not willing to do anything against God. I mean, but why God felt so, you know, so uncomfortable with Adam in Eden to put him out? Well, but, I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but because he because he sinned, he violated. You know, God gave God gave Adam, you know, one one commandment: don't eat from the tree of knowledge. Yeah. And Adam ate from the tree of knowledge. Yeah, I know. So, you know, but the other truth. If I were Adam, I'm going to be the first one, though. Tree of life, and then i the next one. <laughs> uh, well, we, we haven't gotten there yet. It could be that Adam did eat from the tree of life. I mean, it doesn't say whether or not Adam ate from the tree of life, right? It, I mean, um, all we know, uh, presumably he ate from lots of other trees, too, in the garden, right? Um, uh, but, uh, but, we, but we know for sure that he ate from the tree of, of knowledge. Um, so... Uh, so does that mean that God wanted, wanted Adam to be ignorant? <laughs> um, I don't know because I don't know what the tree of knowledge means <laughs> yet. We haven't gotten to that midrash. Okay, okay, yeah. I would. <laughs> um, I have that question. Right, but I, but I don't. But, uh, but, but the, the question is good, which is that, you know I don't know why that sin. What, which is why I wanted to study these midrashes. Uh, I don't know why that sin was significant enough, or why the why, why the commandment was significant enough in the first place to be the one commandment that God gave Adam. Right? Why, why is that the commandment? 
right? God doesn't say, you know, um, uh, you know, don't hurt the aardvark, right? Um, God doesn't say, you know, don't cut down trees in the garden, right? Uh, you know, God doesn't say, you know, don't don't beat up your wife, right? So it doesn't, God doesn't say any of those things, right? God says don't eat from the tree. So why is that the worst possible thing that God can think of for the human being? To do, I don't, I don't know. Why is it sufficient enough to discuss? God prohibited it, and that's it. Say that again. That God prohibited it, and that's it. Ah, so meaning it stops there, right? But why? But why that thing? So yeah, okay. I, I grant you that that yeah, it's 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 sufficient to say that God gave a commandment, Adam violated the commandment, and that's sufficient. Now God also didn't say, you know, this is going to be the consequence for you doing that, right? Um, uh, or the punishment. I'm not sure if it's a consequence or a punishment, but um, right. But if, if God had, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just, but like, but why is that the commandment? If if you do not eat from the tree, if you do. This is, these are the consequences. Die. Then that gives Adam the opportunity to weigh those consequences and make a judgment. And that would be contrary to God. I prohibit you from eating from that tree. Right. Do not do it. And that's it. Right. I do not question it further. Right. Not that God doesn't. Adam, do not question it further. That's right. Didn't he tell you, don't eat because you're going to die? So he, there was yeah. a consequence there. It was after that. Wait. So what? So what? what we haven't we haven't got we haven't gotten there yet. But uh, uh, but but we but what God says to Adam uh, is um, I'll give it to you exactly. He says um, he says um, he says of every tree of the garden you are free to eat, but as for the tree of knowledge of good and bad, you must not eat of it. For as soon as you eat of it, you shall die. Yeah. That was a consequence. And, and to me, you know, I think we are talking about knowledge, but no hokma, no no wisdom. Right. Well, so what? I mean, the tree was knowledge, but no wisdom. Okay. Are you, is, are you asking me? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know what. Kind again, of, I, I I don't I don't know because we haven't gotten there yet. But 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 yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, the, the the Torah could have said it was the tree of wisdom, but it wasn't. It was the tree of knowledge, well, right? Yeah. The, it was and it. it it's some kind of moral knowledge, right? Okay. Uh, good and bad. Knowledge of good and bad, right? Um, Maybe Adam didn't even know what to die meant. That's right. What does die mean? I that makes the question. If he hadn't seen it, he'd die. Right. That's good too. How would he know? Right. It's a good question. It's a really good question. He would have no idea of death because he had not been around anything that died. Right. Well, I mean, that's the I wait <laughs> so you're saying so you're saying what that that uh, that that um, uh, that Adam doesn't understand the significance of the consequence? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I don't know. But, I mean, we're asking questions as the rabbis are asking questions. You know, right, yeah. it, sometimes it is enough to have asked the question, to posit the question. Right. Sure. Yeah. Because sometimes you know, even people you tell them not to do something, you tell them because it's going to happen, and people they go out, they go ahead and do it. Right. For example, young people, you can tell them they never learn. I mean, I was young too, and I, I never learned. You had to do it and make mistakes, and then I learned. Right. So many people, you can tell them, you know, don't do this because it's going to happen. This is going to happen, and they walk and they do it. And right. then once they, they learn, you know, sometimes they die, but quite often, you know, we, we survive the experience, but we learn. And I don't really know when God told, He told Adam, don't eat from that tree because you're going to die. Adam didn't know what, what that was. Right. 
So I mean, uh, Maybe I he wanted to find out what it he was. Right. Right. <laughs> what does die mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no, it seems like reading further on into the story, it seems like uh, Adam and Eve have a, have an awareness of what death is. Because, um, you know, if you, you know, read on, you know, chapter three, right, the serpent talks to the woman and say, uh, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman replied to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the other trees of the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said you shall not eat of it, of it or touch it lest you die. Uh, and the serpent said to the woman, you are not going to die, but God knows that as soon as you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like divine beings who know good and bad. When the woman saw that the tree was good for eating and a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable as a source of wisdom, it says, um, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband and he ate. Um, so in other words, so, so it, it seems like they have, a, uh, it seems like that, that um, implied in that is that they know what the significance of the word die is. I don't know how they know it, but they, but they seem to know it. Well, because they don't ask, like, what, what, what does die yeah, mean, right? It could have different means. It could be spiritual death. Could it be physical death? I mean, we, we keep... Sure, although I, I can't think of an instance in the, reading the Bible closely, right? Not, not reading it kind of in a midrashic way. But I, I can't think of an instance in the Bible where the term death means spiritual death. I think in part because the Bible actually doesn't have... A, 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 a sense that there's a division between body and soul. Um, so, uh, uh, so I think that, that it, it, it assumes that death is death. Um, but again, I don't, what, what I do think is that if we're, if we're, you know, if, if, if we're sensitive to the parallels that the rabbis are, are repeatedly drawing between the garden of Eden and the temple and, you know, and in this case, uh, uh, humanity and the ark, that there's something, the, the sins that the rabbis describe as significant enough to merit destruction of the temples, virtually all of them, arguably not idolatry, although I think you can make a good argument that this is too, um, are all moral sins. Right, um, you know, they're not they're not ritual transgressions, right? They're not they're not they didn't keep kosher, right? They didn't keep Shabbos, right? They're, they're they were killing people, you know, uh, or they were they they hated each other, right? Um, so so it feels like if we follow that analogy through, that what the rabbis are concerned believe happened in the garden is some kind of moral transgression, right? Um, and moral here meaning about the, not the relationship between humanity and God, but the re- relationship between humanity and 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 other and the rest of creation. I, I don't know what that is yet, right? What's the rest of creation? There weren't any other people. Well, first of all, there were two people, right? Yeah. There was there was Adam and Eve. Um, uh, so uh, so maybe. And they were also themselves, right? So, um, so that's a that, that they're, they're, you know, I believe that say uh, um, uh, suicide is is a is a moral offense in, in Judaism. Um, uh, you know, suicide is treated like murder. But um, uh, but you know, the rest of creation is is also you know the animals and the 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 uh, uh, plant life and. I don't know. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm yeah, just kind of suggesting it. Yeah, um, I'm just suggesting if you follow the analogy through, there's, there's, I, I, I have to believe that the rabbis, um, maybe not universally, but assume that there's some kind of moral, moral dimension to the to the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's not simply a matter of they violated God's commandment. It's more than that. I think so. Um, because well, they it, sort of caused each other to sin. I mean, so that would be a bad thing. Right. Because if you're making, causing someone else to sin. Right. That's, and you know, after, after Adam, after they ate the fruit, whatever it was, uh, you know, they began blaming each other. Mm-hmm. And I said, she, what, she gave it to me. The, the woman that you gave it to me, she right. gave it Right. She gave it. Right. And so, actually, in that very moment, like we, we see the, uh, the beginning of conflict. To me, that, that's a kind of conflict. Okay, right, but I but I would think that I mean, that's a that that's a result of of eating the the fruit, right? Um, but the sin, I think, is the eating of the fruit. Um, so so I so I I, I, I would want to hear what what the rabbinic tradition says is if they do. My assumption is is that they will. Um, is what you know? What is the what is the uh, uh, moral violation? Um, you know, because the because the rabbinic tradition could say about the temples, right? Um, the temples were destroyed because the people violated God's will, but they don't say that, right? They say that the temples were destroyed because people violated specific dictates of God's will. Uh, well, in the case of the Second Temple, not even a specific dictate of God's will, something much more general. Um, that's not even as you know. But uh, so, uh, yeah. What would that be? The second temple was was what what they call sinat chinam, which means you know free 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 hatred. Um, sometimes you'll translate it as baseless hatred or against or, each other. Yeah, yeah. Jews against Jews, not the Romans. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It seems like that they hadn't hidden the fact that they ate it from God, and if they had fessed up to it, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's the sin, right? We we actually because the, the the punishment for the sin doesn't come until a, you're right doesn't come until after they blame each other doesn't come after uh, until after they try to hide it you know um, so it could be those things and not the violation of the commandment in the first place. Right, let's let's read on a little bit. What uh, Rabbi Levy said. And, and this is so only if Adam would have stayed in this original state of formation. Okay, so just so um, so Rabbi Levy, I think, is trying to um, uh, put a put a put a point on this midrash, right? That that um, that uh, that, and I think he's saying, in some sense, is similar to the uh, to to the ark, right? That uh, that that the placement of the man there. Um, uh, ideally, in a state of in a permanent state, um, was uh, uh, would have been permanent had he um, uh, had he um, uh, uh, had he stayed like you know not uh, not committed a transgression. It's an interesting way of phrasing it. Is is a, you know the, the Hebrew is uvilvad uh, biyitzirazo and uh, and only in this. Uh, 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 only in this creation, right? So the state of formation. Let's see what the commentary says. 
His godly image in its pristine condition. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure if I, uh, if 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 I really I agree with. Um, Um, with with the with the ter- with the um, uh, uh, explanation there, um, I just want to look in the uh, Hebrew commentary for just a second to see if there's. Um, give me one second. Sure, it's hard to cry. Yatera he was a mar tatanoi mar b'fabi yatera shit kayam b'yatera arishona yud lo tzelam elohim hashem itzel. Okay, we got Chomer Zachba here. About Mishchata Mishdanetzama. Ah, okay, it adds a little bit more. Okay, so the the Hebrew, uh, the Eitz Yosef commentary uh, in in the Hebrew, which you could, if you look on the opposite page, it looks like a page of Talmud, and there's a, a commentary on one side called the Eitz Yosef, and a commentary on the other side called the uh, Perush. Meharzav. I'm, I'm not positive who that is off the top of my head. Um, but so it, it, it essentially quotes the, um, uh, or, or, well, the English commentary quotes this, which is that when he, when, when Adam was first created, he was created in the image of God um, uh, in a complete way. Vigam Chomer Zahu Bahir. He was made of material that was um, uh, 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 clear and uh, and and, lumin- and luminescent. Aval Mishachata Nishtanet Samo. But when he sinned, his form changed. Kirchtiv Meshane Panav the Tishachehu the Tishachehu. So as it's as it's written. Um, uh, that uh, his face changed and he was sent out. Um, now I don't. That's the commentary over here. That's the commentary over there. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, in the importance of having the exact words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, that that adds a, a, a you know sort of like another level of midrash to um, what it means. Then it says that God created Adam in, in God's image. Right, that there was that there was something that we didn't originally look like this, right, and that 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 we look like we do, made of you know more sort of like mundane material as a result of uh, of, of of the of the original sin of of, uh, of Adam and Eve, um, and you know, and so. Um, uh, Does it mean that we were not dimensional? What we are not three dimensional. We were not three dimensional. No. I'm going to answer that like Maimonides, okay? <laughs> Maimonides would say, God is not not three-dimensional. Yeah, okay, All right, let's, let's keep on going a little bit. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, let's see, the Midrash presents an exposition of two, four above. Okay, so two, uh, 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 chapter two, verse four of Genesis uh, says, um, uh, "It's uh, such is the story of heaven and earth when they were created, when when uh, the Lord God made earth and heaven." Okay, so um, it's a few verses before where we picked up, um, and it's returning there. Um, 
Um, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, uh, uh, probably right. So it, uh, in the commentary, it says Yefet Toar, cited by Eitz Yosef, writes that this is another interpretation of the seemingly superfluous phrase Asher Yatsar, whom he had formed. So it's actually related to our verse, um, which is connected to, or maybe it's a, um, um, as sometimes happens in the Talmud, it's a, a you know a, an associative kind of like aside uh, where Rebbe Levi talks about his yitzira, his his form in creation. Um, uh, so it's it's talking about another dimension of of what God created. Uh, um, okay. Uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Marian mm-hmm. said, "It is written, these are the products of the heaven and the earth." When they were created. Good. So that's the um, uh, uh, the translation I read says uh, uh, where it says the products of uh, the heavens. It's it's Ella Toldo Tashemayim Ba'aretz Asher Hibaram. So it's it's um, it's a it's a verse that is ripe for midrash because uh, it's it's a little bit unclear how the grammar is supposed to work there. Uh, toldot usually is translated as generations, right? Um, uh, uh, so like, you know, so like Ella Toldot, uh, um, Noach, right? These are the generations of, of, of Noach. Um, there's a whole Torah portion called Toldot, which, uh, talks about the descendants of, uh, of Isaac, uh, Jacob and Esau. Um, so, so that's why, that's why it translates here is the products, right? The, the, like the progeny of, uh, of the heavens and the earth. Um, this translates it as the story of heaven, right? So Toldot can also mean like the legends of, right? Or the, the, um, uh, like the, the generations of, but the generations of these things, but like, you know, here's the narrative of it, right? Um, so here's translating it much more literally. I mean, these are the progeny of, of, uh, of, of heaven and earth when they were created. In this verse, their creator praises them, and so who would disparage them? Their creator lauds them, and so who would find fault with them? Rather, the works of creation are beautiful and praiseworthy, and so the Torah pro- proclaims, these are the products of the heaven, etc. What's happening here? Right. So again, you know, it looks like uh, the the midrash is kind of pivoting here away from the the verse that we were talking about, the the, the, the phrase we're talking about by Yasem Sham, um, and it looks like it's um, riffing in a sense on what uh, Rabbi Levi says of the original formation of Adam, right? The Yitzira. Um, of, of Adam, right? and it says uh, uh, that um, uh, 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 their creator praises them, right? Uh, the the things that that, that were created, um, uh, and so who could disparage them? Uh, you know, God uh, says these things are are great. Um, who would uh, who would find fault with them? Um, rather. The works of creation are beautiful and praiseworthy, right? Which is why it says uh, 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 these are uh, 
it, it sort of like points to them um, uh, positively um, and um, and uh, uh, doesn't talk about them in a disparaging way. Um, so look at what the commentary says down here in 48. Um, God takes great pride in God's creation and is moved to praise it. In our verse, which is chapter 2, verse 8, man is singled out for special praise. For in, in including the extraneous phrase, Asher Yatsar, right, which is the, uh, the last verse of our, the last phrase of our verse, which is the, the man that God had created, right? So seeming, seemingly superfluous, right? I couldn't have just said, God placed there the man, right? We know that God created the man because it had already told us that God created the man, so why does he need to say that again, right? To say it again implies that God is especially proud of uh, what God has made. Um, uh, and so our, our verse teaches that God was in essence saying, see this beautiful creature that I have formed, right? God was especially proud of it. Um, and... Um, uh, uh, and and, uh, and and so, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if this is referring back to what Rabbi Levy said or just kind of associated with it. Um, what I take from this, and I'd love to hear what you think, what I take from this is um, uh, uh, a, a kind of broader, um, uh, remember this is homiletic midrash, right? This is, this is not legal midrash, this is midrash that's designed as like kind of moral lessons, right? So, if, if I were to take out a moral lesson here, right, that God takes a special care, special pride in the creation of human beings, um, that means that we must take special care not to disparage something that God is especially proud of. Right? And God is proud of the creation of human beings, so we need to not um, uh, uh, disparage each other. Sort of an kind of an independent thought from the from the previous uh, midrash, but if you think that if you can think of a way of connecting those two, yeah, why is he bringing that up here? Or what leads into that? <clears throat> yeah, it's it, it's it's unclear. I mean, so again, like you know, the, breaking these up into numbers um, is is not original to this text, right? So it could be that this is a new midrash. Um, on a verse that's not quoted. Uh, so it could be just a, a totally separate new thought, uh, and they just don't bother to quote the verse, um, maybe because there's a kind of associative um, editing here, right, that the Rabbi Levi uses this phrase, and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, at the end of the verse, it talks about Asher Yetzar, and, uh, and here's a midrash about Asher Yetzar. Um, um, you know, because this seems to be an independent midrash from the previous one that we were looking at. Um, uh, not only that, Art Scroll says it's 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 you know it's um, it's actually refers back to um, a verse that we had already talked about several chapters ago, mid- midrashically speaking, several chapters ago, several verses ago in the in the Torah, which is verse two four. Um, so really, this. Midrash should have gone with, uh, or could have gone with, um, uh, whenever they were discussing that verse, chapter two, verse four. Right.
that affects the way we interpret it if we're trying to link it to the previous. Sure, sure. Uh, so it may it may not be connected. I'm I'm just I'm just kind of like throwing out there. If it is connected, what could the connection? Right, be? exactly. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. what you said makes it much easier. To yeah, accept. yeah. Because the natural tendency is to think, well, the succeeding paragraph depends upon the preceding one. Right. And if it doesn't at all, well, then we treat them as separate incidences. But the editors of Art Scroll don't make any refer- reference to that, do they? No. Well, they are, other than saying that uh, that that it actually should, or, you know, probably should have been connected to chapter two, verse four, rather than placed here. Where is that? Where, where is it's it's um, kind of at the uh, the bottom of the first column of uh, oh, of the, the English page, the midrash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so in the, in the Hebrew uh, commentary says, "Svira le da'asher yatsar ate le Right, so this this is actually this is this is connected to the phrase "asher yatsar" that got you know in in our verse that God had formed, um, and it should have it should have quoted it ate le meimar. It should have it, it should have uh, said it. Shekarash baruchu meshabcho. Right, because God uh, uh, praised him uh, in the glory of his of of, of uh, the humans uh, for me of humans creation. Ra'u bare nae sheyatsarti. Oh, sorry. Ra'u bria nae sheyatsarti. See this beautiful, uh, pleasing creature that I created. Kedilael Parshiyat, right? So it also says like we've also uh, made reference to that idea in in a previous chapter of the midrash. Um, the other commentary, Perush Maharaj says Doresh Asher Yatsar, right? So says, this is a commentary. This is a midrash on the phrase Asher Yatsar um, that God has formed. Um, by the way, it's hard to bring up that phrase Asher Yatsar without uh, without calling to mind. Does that ring any bells to anybody, that phrase? Aside from the fact that it's in the Torah? So one of the first blessings that we're supposed to say upon rising and upon uh, every time we use the bathroom um, is Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaAlam Asher Yatsar Etah Adam uh, right, so uh, praise are you, Adonai, our God, uh, sovereign of, of the world, uh, who has created man uh, or huma- humanity, bechokmah with wisdom, uvaravo nekavim nekavim chalulim chalulim, and uh, created in in him and or in her um, uh, 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 openings, arteries, glands, and organs. Um, it's a kind of creative translation of the Hebrew, but nekavim nekavim is like like. Uh, uh, lots of holes, chalim uh, chalim, or like like lots of tu- lots of tubes. Galui um, ve'atua, uh, um, it's uh, uh, revealed and known. Lifneki sek vodecha before your your uh, whole, your your glorious throne. Sheim yifateach echad mehem, o yisatem echad mehem. Iyev shalit kayem v'lamod lefanecha. If uh, it's it's known before you that um, that if one of them that should be open is closed, and one of them that uh, should be closed is is opened, uh, it would be impossible to stand before you. 
Baruch atah Adonai, praise are you Adonai, Rofek Hobasar, healer of all flesh, who maflila asot, and wondrous indeed. What are you reading? The Sidor? This is the Sidor, yeah. yeah. Um, right, so, uh, so the rabbinic tradition um, uh, uh, has, you know, has a uh, actually you know really uh, really grabs on to this line of midrash of saying you know how how miraculous how wondrous how how wise uh, you know how um, what was the word that people use now in like the fundamentals intelligent design how intelligent was the design of uh, of human beings um, sorry oh yeah yoy um, how intelligent was the design of human beings, uh, and uh, and so phrasing it there. So anyway, so so the commentary here says in Hebrew, Doresh Asher Asher Yitzar. So it's it's a midrash on that phrase Asher Yitzar. Shalakadosh Baruch Hu Kibiachol Mitpaer Ba'Adam for 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 the Holy Blessed One, uh, as it were, uh, glorifies humanity. Umasher mehaleloto and 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 uh, um, rejoices and and, and pra- rejoices in and praises him. Ukumosh katuv leel parasha yidbet. Okay, and it's 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 as we talked about before in chapter twelve. So it's, so that's that's probably why Art Scroll says they already talked about this before, and it's just kind of repeating it here because it's connected to the phrase Asher Yatsar. Um, but I love that, you know, that, uh, that this, you know, this notion that, um, uh, there's this great story in the Talmud. I, I can't remember which rabbi it is. I want to say it's Rabbi Yoshua ben Prachia, who was reputed to have been, um, incredibly ugly. Uh, and, um, uh, and, uh, there's a story about someone, um, uh, someone disparaging him for being so ugly. And, uh, and he, and he says in disparaging me, you disparage God who created me. Right. Um, and so, um, right, right. Um, you know, so, uh, so I, what, what, what's, what's amazing about that is, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, I think a great midrash, um, uh, uh, about disability inclusion, it's a great midrash about uh, about you know um, uh, uh, body shaming and look shaming of all kinds. It's a great midrash about racism. It's I mean, so it's it's you know um, uh, God created all of humanity and all of its diversity and all of its um, uh, uh, greatness and imperfection, and to disparage anybody um, is an affront to God. So we'll stop there for today. Uh, well, let's uh, conclude with a closing prayer. Uh,